Are you grateful for God's word? Do you realize out of all the physical possessions you have that the word of God is perhaps the most valuable? It is God's gift to you. It's his love letter, love letter to you. It's the primary way that he speaks to you. Like God speaks, right? He's active. He speaks. Some of the ways that God speaks to you, some of you are really excited. But he'll speak to you through a dream. He'll speak to you through a vision, maybe through a friend, a gift of the Holy Spirit, right? Maybe that still, small voice. But sometimes have you ever thought, man, was that really the voice of God? Anybody? Like, honestly, you had doubts. You're not sure. Was it a bad taco? What would I, you know? But when it comes to the word of God, you can have complete confidence that the way the Lord speaks to you is always true. Amen? Near the very end of Paul's second letter to Timothy, he says, will you bring me three things? He's in a cold prison cell, and he says, bring me my cloak, my books, and my Hebrew parchment papers. That would have been the Torah, the word of God for him. He was nearing his time here on earth. He doesn't know how much more that he was going to have before being executed. It's cold, and he says, I need my jacket, my books, and especially the Bible, especially the Bible. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Are you liking this series through this very personal letter of the Bible written by Paul to his spiritual son, Timothy? He was inspired by the Holy Spirit, and these words are as alive then as they are now and they're God-breathed, not only for Timothy, but for you and for me. So let us stand today. This is something unique, but in honor of God's word, as we elevate scripture in our hearts and our minds today, will you please stand as we read God's word today. 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1, says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. He's saying in the end times, it's going to be times of trouble Get ready. And then he paints a picture of what that's going to look like. I wonder if as we read through scripture that if you can look around today in our modern, modern culture and our world and, and see if there is a comparison to what Paul described over 2,000 years ago. He says, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving. Slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. In other words, he's saying, Timothy, be careful. Don't have close fellowship with those who are walking in darkness. Verse 7, he says, always learning, he's describing them, always learning and never able to come to the, to the knowledge of the truth. In other words, they're not becoming mature. They're not being responsible for what they know. They don't have that desire. But skip down to verse 14. He says, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the what? The Holy Scriptures. He's going, like, remember, you've known these. They were passed down to you from your grandmother and your mother. He says, which are able to make you wise for salvation 
through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And now verse 16, the one that I want you to underline, memorize this week, says, a little bit of the scripture is given by inspiration of God. Is that what your Bible says? No, it says, it says, it says part of scripture is given by the inspiration. No, most of the scripture. What does your Bible say? How much? How much? All of Scripture is God-breathed. Amen. If you believe that, say amen. amen. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. How? For doctrine, for reproof, for correction. This specifically a Greek word that means correcting false heresy. For instruction in righteousness. So that the man of God, that includes you ladies, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. He's saying this Bible will help you fulfill all that God has in store for you. Before you sit down, look at someone and say, I am grateful for God's word. You may be seated. Paul is elevating scripture. He's saying this is a big deal, Timothy. There's going to be difficult times ahead. You can trust in this. In fact, in chapter 2, remember, he says the word of God will not be bound. Paul's writing from prison, perhaps in chains, in a cell. He's bound. But he's saying the word of God, you can't hold it back. He says that the Bible says in Isaiah that the grass withers, the flower fades away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. In Matthew, the Bible says that the words of God remain forever. Amen. Praise God for the word of God. In verse 15 of 2 Timothy 2, he says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and correctly handles the word of truth. How many of you want to continually grow and develop so that you can correctly handle the word of God? You want to handle the word of God better today than you did yesterday. Anybody here? Praise God. Did you know that you will stand before God? It says, I want you to be approved before God. So imagine one day standing before God and you are asked, did you correctly handle the word of God? You were entrusted with a great gift. Did you, did you take care of it? Were you a good steward of it? Did you read God's word? Did you memorize God's word? Did you apply God's word? I, I know I'll stand before the Lord, not only for me and my household, but... Uh, I'm going to stand before the Lord because I have this wonderful privilege of serving our, our church family and, and sheep. And, and I know that, I'll, that, that I have got to give account. I have a responsibility to equip you, to teach you, so that you can feed yourself and that you can correctly handle the Word of God. So you're responsible for what you know. This message is going to little, look a little different. It's going to be very practical. I'm going to teach you how to improve wherever you're at. You can continue to grow, right? For some of you, it might be elementary, but I'm going to stretch you, so just hold on. Uh, but I, I have a weight and a sense of seriousness and responsibility because I desire for you to be close to Jesus. And I know that it's impossible for you to have a growing personal relationship with Jesus apart from the Word of God. And so I want you to desire it. I want you to see it as so valuable 
to you. Bring your church, your your Bibles, your physical Bibles to church. Bring your Bibles to small group, to Chi Alpha. It's so important. I know that you have them digitally, and you can bring them up on the phone, and that's wonderful. It's accessible. But we are a church family that elevates God's Word. We are a Bible-believing church. And sometimes having that physical Bible around us, it just elevates its importance. Amen? And so I want us to do that. So how can we handle God's Word? Why is that so important? Well, first, like I said, it's, it's, there's a link between it and our personal relationship with Jesus. It's the primary way that God speaks to us. But really, if you don't read the Bible, you're, you can't renew your mind. The Center for Bible Engagement did a, a fascinating study. And they, after a lot of research and surveying people, said that if you read the Bible one day a week, it's, it'll have negligible effects on your everyday life. And that counts when you come to church and read the Bible. If you read the Bible twice a week, it's not making much difference. But when you read the Bible three times a week, there's a, a heartbeat. There's a bump. But when you read the Bible four times a week, it's like an actual spike. There is a major difference in how it affects your life and especially your mind. It said that if you read the Bible four times a week, you are 30% less likely to feel lonely. You are 32% less likely to be angry and lose self-control. 40% less likely to feel bitter. 57% less likely to suffer from alcoholism. Listen to this one. 59% less likely to view pornography. And 60%, if you read the Bible four times a week, you are less likely to feel spiritually lukewarm. Some of you don't sense God's presence in your life. You don't feel like maybe you've, you've grown cold and distant. You're as close to God as you want to be. And so if you're reading the Bible more, guess what? You're going to be closer to Jesus. So what would it look like if you were reading the Bible every day? I want to challenge you to be in your Bible seven days a week. Over the next 21 days, I want to challenge you to get into God's Word every single day. Why 21 days? Statistics support that if you do something 21 days in a, way, in a row, it can very likely become a habit in your life. And can you imagine a better habit than reading God's Word? Like the first thing that we wake up in the, mo in the morning, we're not looking to open up our phones, but we're, we want to open up the Word of God. We don't want to hear our voice or someone else's voice, even our, our, our wonderful spouses, but rather hear the voice of God. Amen. That's what I'm desiring. I'm praying that each of us will have that hunger and thirst for the word of God. So we must correctly handle the word of God. Handle the word of God. The book of Hebrews says that the Bible is living sharper than any two-edged sword. And so in the that original context, they would have understood that two-edged sword to be the 18 to 24-inch sword that the ancient Greeks would use. Spartans, this was their primary weapon in battle. They had to have a firm grasp. They had to know how to use the sword. Like what, what would happen if they didn't know how to use their sword? They would be at great risk. Like those who they're wanting to protect would be at risk. Not only that, they would not be confident in conquering their enemy. And the reality is each of you have an enemy, right? That's why we have spiritual armor. 
It says in the Bible that the, 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 we have the sword of the spirit, the sword of truth, which is the word of God. And we need to correctly handle it. For you, do you, do you have a handle on your word? Do you, can you correctly handle the word of God? And this is the intent. So I want you, as we go through these five ways that you can have a grasp on the word of God, each finger is symbolic of a way that you should interact with the Bible. So first, the first finger, you should be able to read the Bible. Second, you should be able to study the Word of God. Third, if you're keeping notes, you should be able to memorize the Word of God. Fourth, meditate on Scripture. And fifth, apply the Word of God. All right? So let's dig in. The first way that we are to interact with the Word of God is to read the Bible. Read the Bible. In Revelation 1-3, it says, Happy is the one who reads this book and obeys what is written in it. How often should we read God's word? Well, the, the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 19, the scripture shall be his constant companion. He must read from it every day of his life so that he will learn to respect the Lord, his God, by obeying all his commands. If you're reading the Bible every day, you're going to feel close to the Lord. You're going to sense his presence around you. And that's how you're going to learn to fear the Lord. It's how you're going to have a desire to want to obey him. It's not a have to, it's a get to because you feel close to him as you're reading God's word. And so as you read God's word, how do you read God's word? I want to encourage you to read it systematically. In other words, have some intention behind it. Have a plan. Be, be strategic. All right. Some of you, you don't have a plan. And so what happens in, a, in an emergency time when you're wanting to panic and you're, you need God to bail you out of trouble, right? Or uh, maybe you've been here, you've made a commitment to read the Bible every day and it's at the very end of the day, you're ready to go to bed and you're like, oh, I forgot, I don't want to go to bed with a guilty conscience. So you open up the Bible and then you do, the, it's called the dip and skip method, all right? You open it up and you're like, God, I need a word, here we go, here we go, bam. Hmm. And Judas went out and hung himself. So you're like, all right, I'm going to try this again. Lord, I need a word. Go and do likewise. That's what kind of trouble you can get in if you just rely on a very poor method of reading the Bible. Here's another bad method. It's called the buffet method. Have you ever been to a buffet? What happens when you go to the buffet? What kind of foods do you eat? Some of you say everything, but you're rare. Some of you... Uh, you, you eat your favorite foods, right? Like some of you are the meat eaters, and you're like, I'm not going to waste my time on the salad. I'm going straight to the meat. Some of you are like, I see that dessert table. I see it, and I want it, and that's all I want, right? And that's what can happen. And you're not all, how much of the scriptures God breathed? All of it, right? But some of you are just like choosing the best parts. That will make you feel good, whatever tickles your ears, right? And some of you are not growing because you've just been spending too much not too much, but all your time in Psalms, Proverbs, and the Gospels. And the Bible is actually a library of 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New, right? The New Testament is, starts with the four Gospels, and then there's a lot of letters, right? You don't, when you get receive a letter, a text, or an email, you don't just start with the end or start in the middle. You start at the beginning and go all the way through. That's the way it's meant to be read. And, and here's the reality, guys. We're going to be in heaven, right? Those of us who have a relationship with Jesus, 
We're going to be in heaven. And when you get there, I don't want you to be embarrassed. All right? Because I don't want you to be up there and Habakkuk comes up to you and asks you, what did you think of my book? Some of you right now are like, I didn't know Habakkuk had a book. And that's a problem. You need to know every book of the Bible, y'all. Like, it's important. And, and, and I know when you read, and some of you have tried from the very beginning, and you got stuck in Leviticus or Numbers, and you just gave up. And that, that, that's easy to do. But, hey, the reality is, the reality is, guys, not every time you open up the Bible, right, or is it just going to be light bulb, special revelation, life change. Like, it's about consistency, some of you know when you work out, if you're physically out of shape, right, and you get in the gym or you have some habits, you're going to have to get up earlier. You're going to have to be disciplined in your time, right. You're going to have to eat better. Eat a bit. You're just like, these are disciplines. You may not feel like it, but you know there's value and benefits. And it's the same thing with the Word of God. And so the first thing that we can do is read the Word of God. Read the Word of God. That's the first way that we are going to have a grasp on it. So... As we read the Word of God, we need to be hungry, and that will lead to the second thing, which is to study the Word of God. To study the Word of God. The Bible says in Acts that, in verse 11 of chapter 17, that they accepted the message eagerly and studied Scripture every day. This was the Bereans. They were the early church, and they were commended because they didn't just take other people's word for it. They themselves would go to the word of God and like, are you sure? I'm hungry. I'm right. And they were, they were commended. May we be commended for the same thing. There's a lot of YouTube teachers and preachers out there. And some of you are like, because of the way they say it, or they have a lot of followers. And, but the reality of what they're saying is contrary to what holds up in the word of God. And you're not as familiar what's in the Word of God, so you can get in trouble with heresy and doctrine that is not good for your soul. But you don't know better because you don't know the Word of God. And so you need to read and study the Word of God. And quite simply, the, the difference between reading and studying the Word of God is a pen and a journal. It's like, all right, I'm going to get a little bit serious. I'm not going to just read it and forget what, I, what I've read, but now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a journal. And I'm going to start writing down things that the Holy Spirit reveals to me. And as you read and study the Bible, I want to encourage you like, to have fresh content. And, and some of you have Bibles that you've written and underlined and put in notes. But when you read again, like, you need to have a set of fresh eyes. And not just always go back to what the Lord spoke to you in the past. Does that make sense? And have a good Bible that you read and study from. I recommend the New King James Version because it's the best, one of the most best literal translations of the Bible. Uh, word for word, it's very close. A, a lot of other Bibles are good, like the NIV, New Living Translation, even Message. But they're more paraphrases, phrase for phrase. And they're okay, it's not bad, but they should be secondary reading, okay? So have a good Bible and study. And another thing that makes... Uh, studying, like, successful is when you ask the right questions. Like, imagine yourself as a journalist, and, and so you're approaching Scripture with a lot of hunger. There's curiosity. So you're going, who, what, why, how, when, where. Like, imagine yourself as you're reading through Acts or the Gospels, and you're on the scene, or you have a passage of Scripture, and, and you're right there, and then you just simply write in your, your journals observations. Like, imagine you're reading the Great Commission. And so you say, well, who is a disciple in this passage of Scripture? 
What are the results of being a disciple? Why should I be a disciple? How do I become a disciple? And these questions will lead you into further truth, okay? Another way that you can get deeper and study God's word is having a good study Bible. Like some of you, if you have plans, and when you read and study, you should have a plan. Like maybe reading through the Bible in a year is a great plan and a challenge I make for everybody. I know it may sound intimidating, but the reality is if you read the Bible 15 minutes a day, you're going to read through the Bible in a year. All right. Last year, my family read through the Bible in a chronological fashion. In other words, we looked at it not just book by book as it is in the Bible, but through a timeline. It was amazing. Like when we were reading through Acts, we were actually being able to read the letters of Paul on his missionary journals, journeys. It was incredible. But we need to have that plan when we study. But sometimes it's a good study Bible that can help us. And not every study Bible is going to have 100% like maybe correct interpretation. Chew the meat, spit out the bones. But there are some good study Bibles out there. A year ago, uh, one of our volunteers in kids ministry, she grew up in Nigeria. And around this time last year, she gave me a Dakes study Bible and had Bible book tabs, a cover, and I received it going, all right, it's in the King James. I prefer New King James Version. I'm already in a study plan, but as January 1st got closer and closer, I thought, you know what, I'm going to take this gift out, and I opened it up, and she had wrote a kind word in it, and I have been in my Dakes study Bible every day, and I'm like a new kid re hearing and reading things for the first time like there's like key words that were written in the Hebrew and Greek and I don't have to like go to my phone or look up other books it's just right there and they've got stuff that help me with messages in my life and there are some other great study Bibles like the life application Bible is good Thompson chain Bible is good Winky Prattney wrote the revival study Bible it's really good some of you have read it as well or have it these are good so it's taking uh like professional theologians, and they're, they're pooling all their wisdom, and they're going, this is how I interpret it. This is how it can help you in your life. In fact, in our den, we have hundreds of commentaries on books of the Bible, whether you're studying for your own devotional life, or maybe you're leading a small group discussion, or you're curious about a topic or a passage of Scripture. I want to invite you to come in during the week, Monday through Thursday, preferably around lunch, and you can come into our library and access any of these commentaries commentaries to help you, all right? The Blue Letter Bible is a good app. It has free commentary. The version is another free app on your phone that you should have to help you with commentaries and Bible reading plans, all right? So review. The first thing we're going to do with the Word of God is what? Read it. Second, we are going to study the Word of God. The next one, some of you have read, some of you have studied, but you've been a little weak and undisciplined in the area that I think if you will do this and you will commit, you will grow more spiritually. The Lord will use you in greater ways. You will have greater uh, breakthroughs, and that is by memorizing God's Word. I'm so excited to challenge you and encourage you to memorize God's Word. Proverbs 7, 2-3 says, Guard my words as your most precious possession. Write them down and also keep them within your heart. Here are five benefits to memorizing Scripture. First, it will help you overcome temptation in your life. When Jesus 
got ready to begin his, his ministry. He was in the desert for 40 days fasting and praying. And the devil came to him and tempted him three different ways. How did Jesus respond every time in the face of temptation? It is written, right? He was hungry. And the enemy, like, tempted him with food. What was Jesus' response? It is written, man should not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from God. That was his response every time. And so if we want to resist and overcome temptation, we must know, memorize the word of God, and in that moment, quote it, stand up under it. Psalm 119 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Some of you have been struggling with lust, right? Like you're minding your own business on social media. Some of you need to delete social media off your, your phone if it's causing you so much sin and mental health issues. But some of you mind your own business and an ad will pop up. Instead of just lingering and looking and giving in to lust, what if you closed it and started quoting the Word of God? Not only would it buy you time, but you're going to receive the presence of the Lord, and there's power there. Like in the moment you're tempted, what if you quoted Job 31.1 that says, I have made a covenant with my eyes not to look at a woman with lust in my heart. Jesus said in Matthew 5, said, you've heard it say do not commit adultery, but I tell you, if you've committed lust with your eyes, you've committed adultery in your heart. 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee sexual immorality. Like I need to run away from it. So the more you quote God's word, let that be your habit and response, and God will help you resist temptation. Amen? The same can go is true for gossip or envy, pride, whatever you may struggle with. I encourage you to do a topical study, get a bunch of verses, memorize them, and stand upon them. Memorize them. The second way that scripture memorization will help you is it will help you make wise decisions. The Bible says that your word is a lamp to guide me and a light for my path. There are times where I was confused and uncertain about a decision I needed to make. And I needed wisdom. And I prayed for wisdom. I prayed in the Spirit. And the Spirit gave me understanding by the Holy Spirit reminding me of verses that I, had re that I memorized years before. And so he brought those scriptures to my memory. Reading and studying the Bible is good, but we're going to forget it. How much do you forget when you memorize it? None of it, right? You've got it there, and the Holy Spirit will help you bring it back, and it will help you not only to, to lead you into wisdom and guidance, but it will uplift you when you're discouraged. It will comfort you when you're sad. Jeremiah 15, 16 says, Your words sustain me. They bring joy to my sorrowing heart and delight me. Another way scripture memorization will help you is by helping you witness to unbelievers. If you're in GSM, you have memorized 1 Peter 3.15. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. We should be ready in season and out. Some of you lack confidence in witnessing to other people, sharing the good news of Jesus, sharing your story. When they ask a question, you're unsure because you're not correctly handling the word of God. When you value God's word, study and memorize it, you're going to be able to have it, and the Lord's going to bring it to your attention. It's so much fun and exciting when you're making a difference in the life of someone else because the Holy Spirit is reminding you of verses that you have memorized long ago. And so very practically, when should you memorize a verse? 
I encourage you when you're in your morning devotions, when you're abiding with Jesus, as you're reading through a chapter or passages, and go, Lord, what is that one verse that pops out, that sticks out? And then you write it out. Write out that verse in your journal and then say that verse out loud. Start with the reference and end with the reference because sometimes that reference is the hardest part to remember. But read the verse out loud many times and then break the verse up into small phrases. Some of you have done this at school, right? When you've got to memorize something, it's hard to do the whole enchilada. But if you memorize the first two or three words, and once you've got that down, then you add the next two or three words of the phrase, and then you add those two and then add the next until you've, done, you've memorized the entire verse. It's important to write the verse down. And I encourage you to write. This is a, a tool that I have been using for over 25 years, and that is writing verses down on flashcards. And I put them on a key ring. I, I went on a missions trip to Los Angeles, and I saw a new believer who had a white key ring of white index cards, and I asked what they were, and he said they were scriptures, and he had them out. He was going through them, and it inspired me on a missions trip to do that in my own life. My son has these same white cards of 20 verses he's memorizing this week. But we've had series in the past with our, with our church. And so I've got hundreds of verses memorized that I value so much. So during idle time or during my time with the Lord that I'll just go over on my Sabbath and just go over these words that just mean so much to me. The Holy Spirit is just reminding me of so many times where his word has truly sustained me. And I never want to be distanced from God's word. And so memorizing God's word, I, I feel like it's not something I've, I've, I've inspired or taught as much from this stage as I need to. But I pray that you would sense the urgency and you would see the value of hiding God's word in your heart. And some of you are just struggling with sin. And it's because you have had a, a, an, an appetite for sin and, and not an appetite for the word of God. And you're feeding the flesh. And the Lord's saying, would you feed on the spiritual food and the words that I have for you and you've been given, but you've been neglecting it and you've taken it for granted. And the Holy Spirit is wanting this to be the moment, this wake-up call where you've been discouraged and you've been worrying and you've been anxious because you've been meditating on the wrong things. But would you meditate on the word of God? Would you commit to memorizing the word of God? And then finally, would you apply God's word to your heart and to your mind? Please take out the bookmark that we handed you when you came in. And this is a simple method that we've modeled and taught for many years here at GFC. The Bible doesn't want us to just be hearers of the word, but what? James 1.22 says, Do not fool yourselves by just listening to the word. Instead, put it into practice. Matthew 5.19 says, Whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of God. When you stand before the Lord, may you understand who Jesus is and do that all that he's asked you to do. That obeying God's commands is not a have to. They're not burdensome when we have a loving relationship with Jesus. 
something that we get to. It's an honor. We can trust our Father has our best interests at heart. And when we commit to memorizing and studying God's word and then applying it to our lives, we will grow. And so real simply, I'll challenge you to, in your journals, as you read through your scripture, to start out by saying, all right, what is that one verse that I'm going to focus on and write it out? That's the S in scripture. And then O, your observation. That's when you become a, uh, a journalist and you start asking the questions and you read commentary. And then A is, how can I apply this this scripture to my everyday life? And it's like, first you've got to let scripture teach scripture and reveal scripture. You go back and go, what did that truth mean in its original context, right? And then second, what is the transcultural truth, right? That means what is the truth that was true then that can be true today, regardless of context, geography, time, space, and then finally, how can I apply God's word to my life today? How can I make this practical today? And then P is prayer. Write out a prayer to the Holy Spirit saying, Lord, help me. I'm thankful for God's word. Several years ago, I had the privilege of going to Israel. And in Jerusalem, I went to a Holocaust museum. And there I, I heard about a story, and I'll never forget it. It was about a rabbi who was leading his disciples in a very persecuted area. And he hid his scroll in his his cloak, specifically in near his leg. And he was caught in this persecuted area with the word of God. And as a result, they took out this scroll and they burned it. The persecutors burned it and then they killed the rabbi. And his students, his Talmuds, his learners were so distraught and they wept and they wept over the loss of not only their rabbi, but the word of God, because that's the only access they had to the word of God. But there was one of the students who said, friends, don't be afraid, don't worry. For in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he quoted the entire Torah. He had it memorized, and as a result, they were all encouraged because one took the time to memorize the word of God. There are places where the church is still being persecuted today. And they hold tightly to the word of God. In some places, it's not available, and they don't have it, and it's outlawed. And there's risk of being persecuted and put to death. But I feel that here in the western states that we have it so available, and some of you have so many copies. You can neglect many things in your life, but do not neglect the word of God. Would you please stand to your feet? And if you have your physical Bible, would you please just hold it close to your chest? And during this time of prayer, as we are in God's presence, would you just express your appreciation to the Lord for God's word? Come on, let's just lift up our voices all over. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this word that has sustained us, that's helped us. Thank you for not being silent, but you speak to us through your word. May we treasure and value your words. If you've ne neglected God's word and you feel distant, don't listen to the enemy that 
would try to accuse you and condemn you, but allow the Holy Spirit convict you. So if you need to confess because you've missed the mark, may this be a time of repentance to draw close to the Lord. And God's word said, if you draw close, he will draw close to you. And so, Lord, where we've missed the mark and we've neglected as a, as a church or even leaders or any of us here, please forgive us. And I pray that you would put a burning desire in each of our hearts and in our church to hunger for your word, to thirst for the word of God, to read it, study it, memorize it, meditate, and apply it to our lives. May we grow so close to you. For each of us are responsible for our close fellowship with you. We're as close to you as you want us, that we want to be. And so, Lord, I pray that as a response to this hunger, that there would be such a, a grace gift and a blessing upon each of your children and our church and small groups that we elevate your word when we come together and we not take it for granted. And as a result of our growth, that we would fulfill all that you've asked us to do, that we would be ready in season and out as we correctly handle your word to carefully to, to rebuke and correct witness, be able to resist temptation. In Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people say,